floods, droughts, locusts, climate change? There is a lot going on in and around us in Africa and super fast. We are all seeing and feeling the effect it has on how we eat, move around and even how we can make a living. For this reason, join me, Sophie Mbogwa, a Kenyan environmental journalist, for a weekly podcast, The Africa Climate Conversations. Africa Climate Conversations aims at helping you understand what climate change is all about, how it affects you and your family, what is being done in Africa, and what you can do to adapt and mitigate to its impacts, no matter where you are in Africa. Hello. Welcome to this week's edition of the Africa Climate Conversations. I'm your host, Sophie Mbogwa. We are still on COVID-19 and climate. In April, due to the coronavirus pandemic, the UN postponed to 2021 a critical climate summit known as COP26. It was scheduled to take place in Glasgow, UK from 9th to 20th November. Additionally, the preparatory session of talks that happens at the UN Climate Change Headquarters in Bonn, Germany, every June, first postponed to October, was also pushed to a later date in 2021. What does this mean for the global climate action? So to discuss this, I'm honored to be hosting the former chair of the Africa Group of Negotiators on Climate Change, Abbasanda Muhammad Nasser. Thank you so much, Abbasanda Nasser, for your time. No worries, anytime. Please tell us a little bit about who you are and also the Africa Group of Negotiators on Climate Change. My name is Mohammed Nasser from Egypt. Uh, I've been negotiating on climate change since 2009. I've been representing Africa in the negotiations, focusing on the finance issues since 2011. Mm -hmm. I was the chair of the African Group uh, until the end of last year or two years. Mm -hmm. uh, where we had uh, two very interesting COPs. One was the Katowice COP in Poland, seeing the adoption of the rules for implementing the Paris Agreement. And the second one was the one in Madrid mm -hmm. uh, last year, which was the last COP for now. Uh, okay. But other than that, I'm also, uh, I'm also advisor in the Green Climate Fund for the African members in the Green Climate Fund. Mm -hmm. I'm a member on the Senate Committee on Finance under the under the so I deal a lot with the finance issues. Okay. If also you could explain a little bit about the African Group of Negotiators on Climate Change and what they do. The African Group of Negotiators are the technical negotiators uh, on climate change who represent Africa in the different negotiating streams. Uh, and there are many. Uh, we are um, core lead negotiators of the AGN uh, that have core lead negotiators of almost 25 negotiators or 30 negotiators. Mm -hmm. That includes also some junior negotiators. Those are uh, specific experts dealing with specific items in the negotiations, be it parts of the transparency mechanism or the technology transfer, the finance, the mitigation, the adaptation, um, time frames, a lot, a lot of technical issues. So those are African negotiators. They're all 100% African. Mm -hmm. um, we are a group that is homegrown as Africa that relies on African experts and expertise in providing the different advice and we work, the AGN works under the supervision of the African Ministries of Environment, Anson, which works under the supervision of the uh, heads of states under the African Union uh, in a Kahosk setting which has the heads of states of Africa who deal with uh, environment and climate change. Um, we hold 
a lot of meetings to coordinate and we assess the different the progress in the different uh, work streams and we represent the African positions as, their, uh, as agreed by the ministers and the heads of states and endorsed by them. We defend them, we present them and we negotiate based on that. Uh, so this is what the AGN is. Thank you so much for accepting the invitation to come on board. Thank you for inviting me. Okay, so this April we saw the UN postpone a critical summit meant to jumpstart global climate action until 2021. Uh, later on, we also saw the, the June meetings that happened just before the COP also postponed to a later date in 2021. So before we talk about what that means for Africa and also the global action on climate change, I would just probably would want us to start with explaining what the June meeting is um, in terms of negotiating climate issues and also the December climate um, meeting. Um, why are they important? The aim of any multilateral negotiations is to set the rules that guides the global uh, interaction, be it on the national level or regional or international level. So this is the aim of any negotiations, multilateral negotiations. Of course, this is different than other forms of negotiations, um, but it is the core for the global action to be coordinated, to, to have rules, to assess the progress, and to make sure that we are delivering. So this is the core of the process under the UNFCCC, which includes two components. One is the subsidiary bodies, deals a lot with the technical issues and it prepares it has a regular update and regular rule setting um, first to follow the implementation second to enhance the rules third to make sure that uh, we are all working together on the right track so the this subsidiary bodies that happens usually in june every year does the preparatory work for the conference of the parties which is the highest uh, authority Dealing with climate change on the multilateral level. Um, you go to the COP, you have two components. One is the technical side, which is long negotiations to enhance the rules and to assess their progress and to make sure that things are moving in the right direction. And the second component is um, the political component, which provides for the momentum for the continuation of the work with a clear guidance from the higher political authority. So this is the two components of the COP and the technical component of the HD. So this is in a nutshell, if I would say, just to highlight that the climate change issue is so complicated, mm -hmm. or the rules that guide the climate change issues are so complicated that you might end up with almost like maybe 80, 80 items being negotiated in the course of two weeks. But it's not a simple process that people would look at it in the media reduce our emissions or let's work on saving the planet. So to do that, you have to go through different, very um, complicated and interlinked rules um, that allows, as I said, for the action to be taken, for the action to be assessed, and for the action to be enhanced. Okay. 2020, um, under the Paris Agreement, um, Paris Agreement invited parties to communicate their long-term uh, 2050 goals to decarbonize their economies. And we have the year 2020, we've seen global pandemic that has destabilized and uh, led to the cancellation of two climate meetings. How critical was this particular meeting? There are two components. One is an invitation to, if you have long-term strategies up to 2050, mm -hmm. you can submit them. As you said, this is an invitation to the parties to do that. 
And the second one is that if you have, if you had presented or submitted a short-term NDCs, that is five years uh, up to 2025, uh-huh. then you need to, in 2020, to submit something that covers up to 2030. So you have a common time frame or two common actions for, for parties. Uh-huh. And the third component is if you want to enhance your NDCs, if you think that between 2015 and up to 2020, there are more information that, that you have, be it on the national level or international scene, that allows you to enhance uh, your NDCs, maybe uh, clarify it, maybe enhance your ambition in there, maybe add more actions that you're, you're including, then you can do so. Mm-hmm. But there is no obligation to resubmit anything in 2020. Okay. The obligation is you start, it is the start of the implementation of the Paris Agreement is in 2020. And there is a lot, a list of uh, commitments or obligations and communications that should be submitted in 2020 um, in relation to countries' uh, commitments, including uh, the strategies for climate finance, which is which covers a two-year term, mm-hmm. and to developed countries who are requested and not invited to provide information on their long on, on the coming two years, um, um, their mobilization or their provisions of climate finance. So this is the only thing that was to happen this year in terms of presenting documents or presenting commitments or start of the work. There are other elements that were expected this year, including mm-hmm. the finalization of the issues that relates to the market mechanism, as we call it in the negotiations, Article 6, mm-hmm. which is the last part of the Paris Agreement that has not been agreed on yet. Um, and uh, also the, the starting the preparation for the global stock take by having the discussions on the new goal on finance and having discussions on adaptation, uh, the adaptation goal were two very important items for developing countries. Mm-hmm. Are the elements that were that are supposed to, uh, to 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 have been starting this year or to have at least to have we have to agree on the basis for them this year, and it is not happening. Um, also, submissions. Uh, or communications by developed countries I haven't seen on the website yet, but it, they haven't uh, happened yet. And of course, this is understandable from all sides because of the emergency that everybody is facing, be it on the global level, be it on the national level, even on the restrictions and the work restrictions that countries are facing. Mm-hmm. Despite the, the cancellation of the meeting, still the deadlines, if parties feel the necessity to communicate the NDCs afresh, uh, the, the deadline still holds, right? Well, I wouldn't say that it is a deadline now, but yes, it is. It holds uh, in a way. But as it is an invitation, then you can have some flexibility there. And as it is also an invitation to enhance your NDCs, then there is a flexibility there. But for others who have to communicate something, um, I mean, they have they have strong justification to say we couldn't do that because this is a process that needs like uh, input from uh, different stakeholders and we cannot have meetings on the national level to finalize issues and mm-hmm. there are other priorities that are happening. So it, it is a very strange and unprecedented situation. So there is a lot of uh, innovation and flexibility and understanding. At the same time, it, it, there is a lot of commitment to, to, to work on and provide, provide something because um, environment and uh, the, the climate will not wait wait for us uh, um, and just postpone its its implications but 
and we are seeing its impacts all, all the time. Absolutely. And it's good that you mentioned that because when we're looking at um, Africa specifically and we've seen cyclones, for example, Mozambique, and we've also seen droughts in the south part of Africa. We've also seen locust invasion east of the continent. We've also seen flooding. So there are a lot of signs and there are a lot of um, elements that we have seen climate change affecting communities, um, affecting economies. Climate does not wait as much as COVID-19 is a global pandemic and we have to deal with it right now. To what extent do you think that this postponement of um, COP26, does it mean that it kind of has slowed down the momentum in terms of dealing with climate change? Well, I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't put it this way. I would just say that because we are talking about long-term actions, Mm-hmm. which is up to 2030 or 2050. Mm-hmm. No, it has not slowed down the moment. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe in the negotiations and the media, it is not the, the top priority anymore because of, of course, we understand because of the COVID-19, makes yeah. more sense yeah. to focus on imminent and, and what we are facing now as a, as a, a big challenge. Uh, it takes over in the media and in the discussions or even on the social media. But no, it has not. Um, in relation to the um, uh, on the COP26 and the SBs, postponing them for one year means that there is a delay. I wouldn't say a delay of one year, but there's a delay in, in some of the rule setting that that, uh, that allows or that guides the work on climate change. And there's a delay in some of the pressures that are being put to, to deliver on climate change. Mm-hmm. But this delay should not hamper the, the work that is being done that or the plans that are being put in place what really affects those plans and really affects those impacts is what many countries, be it developed or developing, but in particular developing countries, and especially in Africa, are saying that we have a very limited budgets and resources. So when something hits like COVID-19, mm-hmm. it is a very big challenge for us to, to stick to what we have said before, because we have to shift resources to other sectors, um, like health sector and like education sector, because all this new things um, brings us with the new ideas. I mean, uh, virtual classrooms, I mean, this needs a lot of internet. It needs, it needs a lot of capacities. It, it, it is a lot of work to be done and a lot of funding that, that should come from your national resources. Same applies to health. Um, so th- this is what we have been saying, by the way, as when we were talking about Africa special circumstances, is that for Africa, it is very much different than other regions. It is not only the vulnerability that in relation to climate vulnerability, but it is also economic vulnerability. It is social vulnerability. It is a lot of um, elements that in, that is that are included there that in many cases, people who are focusing on environmental climate change sometimes overlook. In addition to those, there is a clear economic vulnerability that is very specific to Africa, which is the level of indebtedness. So you want to be very ambitious, but this will cost you money. And if you want to take it from your budget, then you have competing uh, sectors like health and education and social development. Mm -hmm. And yes, we do understand the cross-benefiting, but on the short term, this is higher cost. So we need this support specifically for Africa to take us forward. And when I say Africa, Africa is the whole continent. It is not only the, um, the least developed countries in Africa, mm. but it also affects countries that are middle income in Africa. Similarly, when we talk about SIDS, the small islands, small islands, a lot of them are high middle income or even high income. So mm. we are not talking about the income level. We are talking about 
the, the other elements of, of vulnerability that is not only climate related, but it has an impact on your ability to take the actions and to be as ambitious as, as you want. Okay. And, and it's good that you mentioned the, the special needs and circumstances because it was one of the things that the African group was pushing during um, the Madrid, the COP25 Madrid meeting. Uh, what was not solved in Madrid was some of the technical issues that were supposed to be discussed in Bonn. Would you just take us through some of the critical issues for Africa that were not solved, um, that you're looking forward to negotiating them further during the, the, the Bonn-June meeting and also COP26? There is, there is the issue of adaptation, which is a very critical issue for Africa. And the discussions on adaptation from the African point of view is not as mature or is not maturing and progressing as much as the discussion on the reducing emissions, which is mitigation. And, 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 and we have a very specific interest from Africa simply because in Africa, um, yes, we, are, we have very low emissions, like the whole of the, the continent is like almost 4% of the global emissions. But because the, whatever happens or whatever is happening on climate change, is having extreme impacts on African continent, like other developing countries, but for Africa specific, the challenge or the, the other elements of vulnerability are really giving, uh, causing higher impact and, and, and constraining the, the capacity of African countries to be more ambitious when it comes to mitigation actions. Mm -hmm. um, let me put it, as you said, if you go in the different uh, sub-regions in Africa, North Africa, South Africa, East Africa, Central West, you'll find a lot of things happening now, which is adding a lot of burden on the African countries. Mm. Okay, it's, if you take West, uh, East Africa where we are now, um, mm -hmm. it is not only the, the floods, but also there is locusts. And uh, you have this locust that happened, that this, this invasion of locusts that, that was not seen in 25 to 30 years ago. Mm. This is because of the rain and the heat. Yeah. So you, there are other impacts that people are not looking at. They don't understand how they are. And when it comes and hits countries in this region, be it Somalia or Kenya or other countries in the region, and those countries are facing huge vulnerabilities um, and a lot of challenges when it comes to um, economic and social development, which are not climate related, but they have an impact on, 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 on the ability of the governments to take the actions to deal with things. Mm -hmm. So they have to adapt to what is happening and they are being asked to, 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 put, to put the majority of this adaptation uh, support from their own budget, national budgets. Yeah. Uh, while they, they have other issues like what we have seen that was covered, which have shown the vulnerability of many countries. And then, and then the discussion on finance, which is also very important. There we are discussing not only the flows of finance or the access to finance, but also what kind of finance are, are being, uh, is being offered to, uh, to our continent. When you are asked to take loans and more loans while you are a highly indebted country with um, uh, so social and economic indicators that are low, then it, at a certain point for a decision taker or a politician, mm -hmm. he will just tell you, I cannot take this loan anymore. I cannot do that. Mm -hmm. So um, it, because of a lot of items there or if you, they take the loans then they will just take more loans and it adds to your economic uh, vulnerability and it, it, it affects your credit rating and it puts a lot of constraints on, on your national budgets because you have to pay back those loans those are mm. loans mm. and this is was this was one of the very important items we were talking about look at africa not only from its capacity but and, and its climate vulnerability but also on the other vulnerabilities, mm -hmm. which might be very unique in Africa.
because because of certain circumstances uh, yeah. in Africa. So what we want, what we were discussing, what we wanted to highlight in, in the SBS is the start of the discussion on the finance for post 2020, mm-hmm. um, and the adaptation and the adaptation goal through which we want to really have um, a global assessment on where we're going and providing support for adaptation and assisting countries to adapt to climate change. Mm-hmm. And uh, how are uh, things moving forward um, uh, on the other components of the of the discussions, including uh, the items in, in Article 6, because we believe that this is a, a good source or a potential source uh, for climate finance that, that will focus on adaptation. So those are the main components we were looking at. Of course, in addition to the other items, which is the business as usual uh, agendas uh, to assess the implementation um, of, the, of the global action under the convention, and of course, under the and its Paris Agreement. Okay. And before we delve a little bit deeper into uh, finance, because both um, Adaptation Goal and also the Financial Post 2020 addresses the issues of finance, I'd want us to, you to expound a little bit on, on Article 6. We've mentioned it twice, and someone listening to us would wonder what is Article 6 and what is it all about, and why is it important for Africa? Okay. Article 6, in simple terms, is the using the market or carbon market to um, allow some countries to increase their ambition by buying credits uh, or climate or carbon credits from other countries. So if I can um, do more mitigation here in Kenya or in Egypt or in South Africa or in Nigeria, Mm -hmm. I can sell part of those actions that I have done in reducing emissions to other countries who uh, it will cost them a lot of more money so they can they can do this this kind of solidarity uh, process which allows at the end to enhance the actions towards climate change so it's a very simple market mechanism that deals not with stocks but with carbon credits so it is like that okay how do we see it working well from our side we see that this is a mechanism for many developed countries it takes into consideration their special circumstances, meaning, and, and please follow me on that, because this is very important, mm-hmm. meaning that in some countries, for them to take specific actions on climate change, it will cost them a lot of money. And because they want to do the actions, but the cost is very high, so they would like these actions, they can take these actions to be done in other places where the cost is low, mm-hmm. is lower, okay? Mm-hmm. So the fact we are acknowledging special circumstances of some countries where their activities or their actions in climate change would be very high, very costly on them, so they want to do it in a, in a cheaper way, or private sector want to do it in a cheaper way. Mm-hmm. It is acknowledgement, indirect acknowledgement of special circumstances would we allow some countries to do actions in, in a cheaper way. So where does Africa come in there? Uh, what is the view of Africa? We have always been hearing that carbon uh, market is a good source of climate finance mm-hmm. yes for mitigation it could be but for sure for adaptation we have seen before in the previous carbon market under the Kyoto protocol we could take a percentage from the market which is a market a very small percentage and direct this percentage to adaptation to allow for countries to do adaptation, which, which is very costly and not attractive for private sector and, and very difficult to be done through loans. Mm-hmm. So this, is, this has always been our view as Africa. We said any, any carbon market mechanism, any market under Article 6, which is the markets, should have a percentage 
one and a half percent, which is a very minor thing, mm -hmm. or two percent, very minor thing, of the credits that that was uh, used or that were used in the market, and we take this those credits and we use them to fund adaptation in African uh, or in, in developing countries, not only okay. African countries, but all developing countries. Okay. So that's what we are saying, which is a mechanism that was applied before under Kyoto Protocol that mm -hmm. allowed for sometimes when the carbon market was moving to have enough money or not enough money to have substantial amounts of finance for grants-based actions or activities for, that relates to adaptation in developing countries. So this is the idea what we have. What is being put forward now is that you have under this Article 6, mm -hmm. you have three different markets, three different markets. One is no exchange of credits, so it is not a valued market. It is more of voluntary market. The second one is a very clear restricted um, authority, uh, under the authority of the, of the process uh, that has uh, clear-cut everything um, similar to the existing carbon market. And the third one, which is more relaxed and more like uh, relaxed rules just to enhance the ambition of um, private sector and countries to take more action in this, in, in exchanging carbon credits and allowing for flows of finance between companies or private sector or countries who, who can do action um, cheaper than other places so there is flow of this finance. What we're saying is that any carbon market that has a value mm -hmm. that produces credits, which means that there is a profit happening here and there for both sides and for mm -hmm. people who are trading in, we need, we need to apply a percentage of 2% okay. on those exchanges and those 2% will be taken in a fund or allocated to adaptation for in developing countries. So it is a simple thing. Um, unfortunately, some countries are not happy with mm -hmm. because they think that a market should be a market. We shouldn't be having anything on the market. And we're saying that, but we have been discussing this innovative source of finance as carbon market for the past, since 1997. So mm -hmm. why now you want to give all this flexibilities for the private sector to do actions cheaper and not even help in the adaptation in developing countries who are already facing a big challenge in relation to adaptation. So this is where we are. I hope it clarifies things. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Ambassador Nasa, for uh, finding time today. I, I sincerely do appreciate that. And I'm hoping that over time we will continue to work together to raise awareness in terms of climate issues in Africa with you and also with the African group. Thank you so much, Sophie. Thank you so much. And thank you for, uh, for everybody. Thank you. Thank you so much. That, ladies and gentlemen, was Ambassador Mohamed Nasa, the former chair of the African Group of Negotiators on Climate Change, ending part one of this conversation. The AGN is an alliance of African member states that represents the region in the international climate change negotiations. We will continue this conversation with Abbasanda Nasa next week, discussing a critical issue for Africa, financing climate change, and why this lovely continent is seen as such a high risk when it comes to investment. Until then, remember to not just subscribe, but to share this podcast. You can also send me your feedback through info at sofimbogwa.com. For now, kwaheri. Have yourself a safe and productive week ahead. Floods, droughts, locusts, climate change. 
There is a lot going on in and around us in Africa and super fast. We are all seeing and feeling the effect it has on how we eat, move around and even how we can make a living. For this reason, join me Sophie Mbogwa, a Kenyan environmental journalist, for a weekly podcast, The Africa Climate Conversations. Africa Climate Conversations aims at helping you understand what climate change is all about, how it affects you and your family, what is being done in Africa, and what you can do to adapt and mitigate to its impacts no matter where you are in Africa.